Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. I'm going to start a new series this morning, a new sermon series, and I've actually, I've asked Sean O'Loughlin to help me teach it. Now, he's with his mom this morning, so he's not here, but otherwise I'd make him wave his hand or something like that. But uh, he and I are going to be teaching over the next four weeks this topic, how to follow God's plan for your life. How to follow God's plan for your life. And our goal, and my goal in particular, is to give really practical insights into how we follow the plan of God for our lives. The Bible is very clear on this subject of the plan of God. Very clear. Yet it oftentimes is one of the most misunderstood subjects that we as Christians deal with. So we're going to spell out very simply, everybody say very simply, going to spell out very simply from the Bible. We teach the Bible around here. Amen. I'm not interested in my own opinion. I want to preach the Bible. So we're going to look at very simply and spell out simply from the Bible how we can follow God's plans for our lives as individuals, as plan for our lives as married couples, as families, you name it. And then at the end of this series, which will conclude on May 15th, Sean and I are going to be up here together. I'm going to preach this week. He's preaching next week. Then I'm going to preach again. And then we're going to be up here together. And we're going to, ask, uh, we're going to answer your questions about how to follow God's plan for your life. So over the next three weeks leading up to May 15th, I want you to be making note of questions. As we're teaching and as we're talking through these things, if you get a question, write it down so that we can answer it together, live and in person, okay? We want to make sure that everybody, by the time we get done with a series like this, that everybody has a clear-cut understanding of how to follow God's plan for their life because it's such an important topic and it's such an important thing that we need to be able to live out in our lives. So lean in with me, okay? Lean in with me over the next four weeks because I believe if you stick it out, and stick through, it, uh, stick through it with us, you're going to come away blessed, and you're going to have some practical insights out of this series, okay? Amen. Uh, before we jump in, I want to, um, want to lead us in our confession of faith that we like to make here on Sundays. You'll see it up on your screen. If you're watching with us online today, you'll see this on your screen as well. We believe this, and we believe in the confession of the saints. The Bible talks about us Uh, about the words that come out of our mouth and how important they are. So we're going to declare this together over ourselves today. Can you read this out loud? Say, thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Father, today we believe that we're growing in the things of God. We believe, O oh Lord, that you've given us an opportunity today to grow. We believe that you've given us an opportunity to come up higher in our relationship with you, 
that you've given us an opportunity to develop in our faith, to be challenged, to be stretched. And Father, we don't take that experience lightly, but rather we choose today to press in and receive everything that you have for us. So Lord, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, give us a heart to perceive and understand your word and your will. We purpose in ourselves and within ourselves to follow you and to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you just turn and tell your neighbor, say, I'm growing today. Say, I don't know about you, but I'm growing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to have to fight the urge to preach today because I have to teach today, and sometimes those two things overlap, but, uh, but we're just going to go and follow God this morning. Amen. I want to invite you to turn to Proverbs chapter 3. This is going to be our main text and our main uh, emphasis during this series. This is going to be, if you've been in church for any length of time, undoubtedly a familiar scripture to you. Proverbs chapter 3. The verses that are going to be our main text for this series are verses 5 and 6. Verses 5 and 6. Amen, I'll get it. Verses 5 and 6. And actually what I want to do is read you, you you can camp out at verse 5, and I'm going to read you the first four verses to shed a little bit of context and a little bit of light on verse 5 and 6, okay? So you guys hang out at verse 5. I'm going to start at verse 1 and just right up to verse 5. It says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Right away, this sounds like it's going to be good, right? How many of you want to find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man? God's so good that he tells us exactly what to do and exactly what the outcome will be if we do the things he's asking us to do. It's such a great deal. Amen. Following God's such a great deal because he tells you exactly step by step what to do. He tells you why you should be doing it, and he tells you exactly what's going to happen if you do it. I mean, what a recipe for life. Amen. It's a recipe for life. Now he goes on to say in our key verses here, verse 5 and 6, you know these like the back of your hand. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. How many of you want God to direct your path? How many of you have life to know that when you direct your path, 
it's not as good as when God directs your path. Anybody ever hit a wall or a bump or a roadblock? Anybody ever thought they were making the right decision, which turned out to be the wrong decision? Besides me, amen. Not going to ask you to be specific, so don't be nervous. But we've all been there, haven't we? We've all been in that place where we just don't know how in the heck did it get this bad? I thought I was making the right decisions. I thought I was making the right move. Like I said, this is one of the greatest needs in the body of Christ. It's a simple, simple thing to address. It's very simply understood from the word. But it's something that we need to know. And that's how to follow God's plan. Today I'm going to give you a foolproof four-point action plan on how to follow God's plan for your life. You'll hear me mention this a number of times. Foolproof, four-point action plan on how to follow God's plan for your life. Anyone can do this. All it takes is a little understanding and obedience. But before we jump into the foolproof four-point action plan, I don't know why I just like saying that, the, four point, the foolproof four-point action plan, before we jump into that, there's a few things that I think we need to clarify. There are a few things that we want to remove from our thinking when it comes to following God's plan. You know, one of the things I've found can be the biggest distraction or take the most away from what God is trying to do in our lives right now is old ways of thinking and old bad patterns of thought, right? How many of you have ever been face-to-face with a new revelation and that new revelation pushes back against a lot of the stuff you thought you knew? Yeah, all the time, right? It's called growth. It's a good thing. So there's a couple things we want to remove from our thinking, and there's a few things I want to clarify a little bit before we dive into this verse and talk about this foolproof four-point action plan. (laughs) I don't know why it's so funny, but it's just so fun to say. Amen. I feel like a politician. Amen. I want to talk to you about a few things this morning that we need to clarify. Number one, let's just set the stage right away this idea. Number one, God has a plan for your life. Before we talk about how to follow his plan, we got to set the record straight and determine once and for all that we even agree with the idea that God has a plan. Amen. He's got a great plan. Before we go farther in, in, in helping you try to understand and follow the plan of God for your life, we need to emphatically state that God, in fact, does have a great plan for you. And guess what? It's good. It's great. It's spectacular. It's wonderful. It's beyond your wildest imaginations. It's better than you can even imagine. I'm going to quote to you a verse that you probably have on your fridge Or at least I had it on my bathroom mirror when I was in high school, thanks to my mom. And that's Jeremiah 29, 11. How many of you heard Jeremiah 29, 11 before? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and to give you a hope. You see, God's got a plan for your life, and the destination of that plan, the trajectory of that plan, the design behind that plan is to give you a future and to give you a hope. It's the idea that tomorrow can be better than today according to what God wants for you. 
Now, I know the thoughts going through some people's head this morning, and that is, well, Pastor Josh, I was told that that verse doesn't necessarily apply to me personally because it was written to the Babylonian Jews who were in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. You remember that time, that period in the Old Testament? When the period of Daniel, the period of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when, when Israel was captivated by the Babylonians and taken into captivity in Babylon. Y'all can pull a little bit off of this if you want. Um, they were taken into Babylonian captivity, and during that time, God raised up the prophet Jeremiah to speak his word to his people. And this is one of the things that he said. I know the plans I have for you, the plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. And I've heard people say this before. Well, you know, that, uh, that doesn't apply to you and me. We can't take that personally. We can't receive that as personal to us because it wasn't written to us. It was written to Babylonians. Or excuse me, it was written to Jews who were captivated by Babylon. To that I say this. The whole scripture, the whole Bible was written to everybody for all time. I'm, I'm very much a stickler of context. I'm very much a stickler of interpreting the word of God as accurately as humanly possible. I spend a lot of time digging into the original languages, making sure that I interpret scripture correctly. And can I tell you this? To live with the idea that because it doesn't have your name on it, it's not for you, is foolish. To assume that Jeremiah was only written to Israelites in Babylonian captivity is to take the same assumption into the New Testament and say that because I'm not in Ephesus in the first century, Ephesians doesn't really apply to me. Does that make sense? So what does this mean? This means that emphatically God has a plan for your life. If he had a plan for the Jews in Babylon, he's got a plan for you. He's no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of persons. He's got a plan for you, and it's a good plan. It's a plan for your good and not for your disaster, to give you a hope and to give you a future. Does that excite you this morning? Because that excites me. Amen. Number two, following God's plan is so simple for the Christian. This is one of those things I want to clarify before we get into our foolproof four-point action plan is that it's super simple to follow God. I want to remove mystery. I want to clear out any confusion that makes it out to seem that following God's plan for your life is difficult. It's not. It's simple. Doesn't take a master's degree. Doesn't take a doctoral degree in theology to determine God's will for your life. To follow God's plan for your life. Our kids can do it. In fact, sometimes our kids do it better than we do. Amen. Come on, parents. Amen. If our kids understand it, we can understand it too. You see, following God's plan is simple for the Christian. And it's simple because following God is an inside job. It's an inside job. We, we've got a, a man on the inside, as they say in every good spy movie. Right? You've heard people say that kind of thing before. We've got a man on the inside. How are we going to beat the enemy? 
we've got, we got a silver bullet. We've got a man on the inside. And he's given us good intel so we know exactly what to do. How many of you know that in your life, you've got a man on the inside feeding you good intel all day, every day? His name's the Holy Spirit, and he lives on the inside of you. And if you'll learn to listen to his voice, he will consistently feed you good information, telling you which way to go, telling you what your enemy's about to do, telling you, hey, go right, don't go left. Hey, go left, don't go right. Make this decision. Go through that door. Have this relationship. Let go of this relationship. Pursue this. Don't pursue that. If you will listen to the man on the inside, you got an advantage. Come on, can y'all, are y'all awake? This thing on? Okay. Just making sure. Hallelujah. you got a man on the inside. You've got an opportunity to take advantage of the God who knows everything. Hallelujah. We've got somebody on the inside giving us good information. If we'll just learn to listen, there's a voice that's always speaking. We'll dig in deeper into this later on in the series, okay? Y'all doing all right this morning? Okay. Number three, I've observed two big reasons. I've observed two big reasons why people often struggle to follow God's plan for their life. I'm going to use my children as examples. They don't have to come up here. I'm just going to tell stories, theoretical stories. There's two big reasons that I've observed in my life why people struggle to follow God, okay? Reason number one is they have a listening problem. Reason number one, they have a listening problem. What I mean by that is that they can't hear the directions. I'm going to give you, I'm going to use my daughter Claire as an example in this case. She was recently, she recently saved up enough of her own money to buy her own set of Apple AirPods so that she could talk to her friends and play her games and stuff on her phone. And so she's got her own AirPods. So I was in the kitchen talking to her the other day, just speaking and not realizing that she wasn't hearing a word that I was saying. I, and then finally I said, Claire, hey, Claire, hey, Claire, hey, Claire, hey, Claire. And then she goes, what, Dad? Honey, did you hear anything I just said? Oh, no, no, sorry, I'm playing Minecraft. Put this back in and start to Starts going back to her games. Now, there's nothing wrong with Claire. She just didn't hear the directions. She didn't hear what was being spoken to her. And there was a reason. Why couldn't she hear the instruction? Why couldn't she hear what I was saying? It's because something else was competing with my voice. It's because something else was competing with my voice doesn't make her a bad kid. just means that something else was competing with my voice. To put it in biblical language, she had inclined her ear to something else instead of inclining her ear to me. The good news about that is that it's a simple fix. Turn off the distraction. Take out the AirPods. Get to the place where you can hear the instruction. It's a thousand times easier to follow the instruction that you can hear than it is to blindly stumble upon the instruction that you couldn't hear because of a competing voice. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
Make no mistake about it, folks. The world is clamoring for your attention. The world is clamoring to compete with the voice of God in your life. Time to tune out the distraction. Amen. Reason number two that I've observed why people struggle with following the voice of God or following God's plan for their life. Number one, they have a listening problem. Reason number two is they have an obedience problem. Okay? They just have an obedience problem. Maybe they hear the directions, but they just don't want to follow them. For this illustration, I'm going to skip over my middle daughter. <laughs> and I'm going to go, I often pick on my middle daughter, so I'm getting, letting her off the hook this morning. I'm going to jump down to little Sophia. We were, we were at the beach this week, and I went into the bedroom there where, where she and Abigail sleep, and I said, hey, Sophia, I, I need you to pick up these toys. And she's so sweet. If you haven't met her, she's the sweetest thing on two feet. And, and she just looked up at me, and she said, but Daddy, I don't want to pick these up. <laughs> just as it was just no big deal. It was just, well, well Dad, you, you simple, simple man, don't you understand? <laughs> I don't feel like picking up these toys right now. I need you to understand that. You see, in one case, we have a listening problem, and then sometimes we just have a straight-up obedience problem. Lord, I, I, I just don't want to do that. I just don't want to be obedient. I just don't want to listen. I, I'm just really, you know, I just really don't want to do that. I know you're God, and I know that you run the universe, and I know that you declare the end from the beginning, and you know literally everything there is to know about everything all the time. But guess what? This time, I just don't want to do that. The sooner that we can come to grips with and come to terms with the reality that sometimes we just don't want to do whatever God wants us to do, the sooner we can identify that, the sooner we can root it out of our lives. God says to go right, and we're over here asking him to bless us while we go left. The Holy Spirit said this to me a while back, and it was strong enough that I decided to write it down. And if, you, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. And if you don't hear anything else I say to you, hear this. To the heart that is set on obedience, the will of God and the plan of God will always be the most obvious choice. To the heart who is fixed and set on obedience, the will of God will always be the most obvious choice. Because if your heart is fixed on obeying the voice of God in your life, guess what? Your heart already wants what he wants for you. So his will is going to be like a big giant pillar of cloud and a big giant pillar of fire. Just like the Israelites had in the Old Testament. I mean, how hard is it to follow a giant pillar of fire through the desert? Pretty easy, right? You see, when your heart is set on obeying God, it'll be just as obvious to you which way God's moving. Ooh, glory to God. I'm telling you, that one will set you free. That one will set you free. Now, a couple more things to deal with before we get to our foolproof four-point action plan. Are you ready for this? There are two things that we need to eliminate from our minds when it comes to following God's plan. Two things that we need to eliminate. Number one, fear. Fear. 
It's going to be real hard for you and I to hear clearly from God if we're afraid of what he's going to say. Did you ever have a hard conversation you didn't want to have? Everything in you wanted to avoid it. Why? Because you were afraid of what that conversation was going to lead to. You and I need to totally distance fear and just eliminate fear when it comes to hearing God's plan for our lives. As parents, how many of us have tried so hard to get our kids to try something that we know they're going to love, but they are just terrified to do it? Can't tell me how many times I've had to trick one of my children into eating something they didn't want to eat. I remember when I was a kid, my sister and I were at Six Flags at Darien Lake in western New York, and my sister did not want to ride this roller coaster. It was called the Viper. It's pretty intimidating when you're seven years old or whatever. And she begged not to go on it, but then she kind of did, kind of wanted to go on it, but she was still a little bit of afraid, but she was like, I'm going to go, but I don't know, I'm not going to go. And she, she, <laughs> she grabbed onto my dad's hand and just would not let go all the way up while the roller coaster climbed to the top. And then we went down and went around the roller coaster and all this stuff. We got to the end. She looked over at my dad and said, can we do that again? She was scared at first. But the, but the roller coaster was good, and she ended up enjoying it. But she was this close to letting her fear talk her out of enjoying what was in front of her. And so often we do that when it comes to the plan of God for our lives. We talk ourselves out of, by fear, the exciting and joyful, exciting thing that God has for us to walk out. His plan is to prosper us, not to harm us. And maybe we've dealt with the, the obedience issue. Maybe we've gotten, you know, taken the AirPods out and we can hear him. And now something called fear has risen up in our hearts and we were just ready to step out in faith and something prevented us and kept us from getting out of the boat. I was having a conversation with Pastor Jonathan Del Turco, my pastor. He was telling me about when he was younger in ministry and he was talking to his dad and, and he said, Dad, I'm nervous. I, I, I'm, I'm afraid about finding God's will for my life. And his dad said, don't be afraid. God's will isn't lost. You don't need to find it. You just need to follow. The second thing that we need to absolutely eliminate from our minds. Y'all following me so far? Everybody doing okay? Excellent. The second thing that we need to eliminate from our minds when it comes to following God's plan, is mystery. The first was fear. The second is mystery. We must do away with the notion that God's will cannot be known. Selah. Think about that for a second. We've got to do away with this notion, this idea, that God's will is mysterious and cannot be known. I'm comfortable with the understanding that I don't know everything that there is to know about God. I'm very comfortable with that. I'm under no false pretense that I, with my limited mind, am able to fully comprehend everything there is to know about the limitless God who created the universe. I'm very comfortable with that idea. What I'm not comfortable with, and the idea that I reject, is that His will for my life is something that I can't know. It's not the same to say that I know God's will for my life and I know everything there is to know about God. 
Selah. Does that make sense to you this morning? You see, sometimes, sometimes we, we frame it wrong. We frame the question wrong and we, and we say, uh, you know, I, I'm going to press in until I know what God has in store for me. And then people will say, well, you can't know everything there is to know. Yeah, you're right. I can't know everything there is to know about God, but I, can, I refuse to believe that I can't find out what his will is for me. I'm okay with not knowing everything there is to know about God. What I'm not okay with is using mystery as a crutch to explain away my laziness. Let me say it again for the people in the balcony. Uh, I'm, what I'm not okay with is using mystery as a crutch to explain away my laziness. As long as mystery is connected to awe and wonder about God, I'm okay with it. But I'll never be allowed to use it as a cover-up for apathy. I just don't want to get my nose in the book and find out what God's will is for my life. So I'm going to just, you know, ease back into this religious posture and say, well, you can't really know what God's will is. God's a mystery. He's so big. He created the world. We'll never know what he wants. Bull butter, read your Bible. Read your Bible, man. It's in there. It's actually real clear cut and simple, so simple that our kids understand. It's not God's will for any to perish. It's God's will that he does exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or even imagine according to the power that's at work within me. It's God's will to protect me according to Psalm 91. It's God's will to heal me according to Isaiah 56. It's God's will to bless me according to Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's over and over and over. You can find God's will on every page of scripture. Don't be lazy and blame it on mystery. Mm. Y'all ever heard that verse of scripture? It gets quoted all the time. The Lord works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. You remember that scripture? Y'all heard that before, right? That's not a scripture. It's not a scripture. It's not in the Bible. It's a line from a hymn written in 1773 by a man named William Cowper. It's not scripture, but people act like it is. And they live like it is. Well, brother, the Lord is mysterious. The Lord's will, it works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. Not long after he wrote that, he almost, he almost committed suicide because he was so depressed. You see, you can have a misunderstanding about God and it'll cause you to miss out on his best for you. So settle this in your heart and mind. God's not holding anything back from you. His, uh, his plan is amazing. He's, he's interested in revealing it to you. Oftentimes we use the fact that God is bigger than our understanding in a negative way. Instead of realizing that his goodness is so big that I'll never know the end of it, we say that his goodness is so big that I'll never know the beginning of it. Let me say it again. Instead of realizing that his goodness is so big that I'll never know the end of it, we say his goodness is so big I can't know the beginning of it. It is possible for you to know and follow God's plan for your life. Can I have a good amen? <laughs> so how do we do it? 
in the last 10 minutes of my message. How do we, how do we follow, how do we know God's plan for our life? If it's there, if it's good, if we clear the clutter, if we set the record straight, how do I know his plan for my life? Solomon gives us a foolproof, four-point action plan in Proverbs chapter 3. Let's go back to verse 5. We read it at the beginning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, step one. Lean not on your own understanding, step two. In all your ways, acknowledge him, step three. And he shall direct your path. Step four, you don't even have to do step four, he does step four. What a deal. Holy smokes, what a deal. What a deal that I just, all I have to do is the first three steps and God does step four of this foolproof four-point action plan. That's like getting 25% off. I mean, the fourth step, he does it for you. That's like taking your wife on a nice dinner and you get to the end of the meal and somebody says, uh, we brought you this bottle of wine and this dessert free of charge came from the guy over at table seven. You look over there, there's Jesus giving you a thumbs up. Go get him. <laughs> there it is. He does the last step, man. How much easier could this get to follow God? All I got to do is do what Proverbs 3 tells me to do in three easy steps and he does the fourth step. Number one, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Whew. Where does faith happen? Faith happens in the heart. Doesn't happen in the head, happens in the heart. Now, it, it will find its way to your head, but it's got to start somewhere, and it starts in here. How do I trust in the Lord? Well, I get in his word, and I find out what his word says, and I choose to believe it with my heart, despite what my eyes can see, despite what my ears can hear, despite what I can touch and taste and feel and see, despite what my senses are telling me. I get in this word, and I find out what his word says, and now I've got a basis to trust him on, and I trust him in my heart. This is the place where God reveals his plan for you and for me. It's in our hearts. If you're a Christian, and you've got something that keeps coming up in your heart, you can trust that God put it there. Amen. Now listen, if you're not a Christian, you can't trust your heart. You can't. That's why Jeremiah said that the heart is exceedingly wicked. Who can know it? You see, the heart that's far from God, you can't trust that. But once you've been made reborn, according to 2 Corinthians 5, once you become a new creation in Christ, old things have passed away, all things have become new on the inside, God has taken up residence in your heart. You can now trust what your heart is saying. See, if you're a Christian and you've got something that keeps coming up in your heart, especially if it's unprovoked, I'm here to tell you God's trying to get your attention about something. I remember I was talking to my pastor one time and I, I was bringing up something to him that he brought up, that I brought up with him before. And he said, I know this, that we're talking about this again. I said, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what God's saying. He said, I think you already know what God's saying because it keeps coming up. I said, wow, okay. Yes, sir, thank you. You see, we gotta, we gotta rid ourselves of this notion that we can't trust what comes out of the inside. When God lives in here, you can absolutely trust what comes out of your heart. 
Psalm 37 verse 4 says that when we delight ourselves in God's ways, he gives us the desires of our heart, meaning he provides our heart with desire so that if Jesus lives on the inside, the things coming out of my heart, coming out of my spirit, are the plan of God for me. Your heart will always agree with God's plan for your life. Now, your head might not. Your flesh certainly will not. That's why he brings us to the very next point, which is point number two, and that is lean not on your own understanding. You see, I can trust what's coming out of my heart, can't always trust what's coming out of my head. Wow. If you want to know what you can trust, it's your heart. If you want to know what you can't trust, it's your understanding. The Bible paints a picture for us over and over again of the difference between wisdom, which comes from this world, which the Bible says is corrupted, and wisdom, which comes from God, which the Bible says is perfect. The wisdom that comes from this world, it's filled with the corruption of sin. It's filled with the stink of sin. But the wisdom that comes from God, that comes out of here, that comes out of here, is perfect. The Bible says it's filled with peace. It's peaceable. So you can't trust your head all the time, but you can always trust your heart. You see, the world's ideologies will never point you to God's plan. The world's ideologies will never point you to God's plan. Stop looking. Can I translate that to you in just modern speech? Stop looking to the next podcast and the next influencer to try to help you figure out what to do with your life. You got a Bible on your shelf. You got a spirit of God on the inside, on the inside of you. And somehow we think that the next new influencer on TikTok or social media or whatever is going to give me some kind of insight that I really needed. Oh, that's what I've been waiting for. No, it's not. This is what you've been waiting for. Hello? Don't let the world's ideologies influence you because they'll never direct you at God's plan. Now, I'm not against, you know, TikTok influencers. Well, I kind of am, but <laughs> I like Instagram. So I'm not against Instagram influencers. Some of them have really great things to say. But the point is the wisdom of this world is a counterfeit to the wisdom that comes from God. It's perfect. The world's wisdom is not. When it comes to make a decision in your life, don't move that decision out of the heart realm and move it into the head realm. Because if you do that, you'll make, a, you'll make a bad decision. Don't let, in other words, don't let your head overrule your heart. Did I ever tell you about the time I let my head overrule my heart? I say the time as though it was once. <laughs> This one was a big one. I was letting my head overrule my heart and my wife's heart. I had a chance to make a great investment with a great friend that I've known for years. And he was a friend. And all I could see was dollar signs. And, and, and I got real excited about the potential 
the upswing. Oh, man, babe. Let's start car shopping. Haven't even made the investment yet. Turned out to be a terrible investment. I lost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars because I overruled my heart with what my head was getting excited about. And if we let the ideologies of this world dictate what God's plan is to us instead of his word, instead of what the Holy Spirit has put and is saying in our hearts, we'll miss it nine times out of ten. Don't be double-minded. I can't, I can't stress this enough. I can't say this enough. Don't be double-minded. What do, what do I mean when I say double-minded? I mean that you get in a spot where your mind is trying to agree with your heart and it's trying to agree with the world at the same time. You're torn between two opinions. The Bible says in the first chapter of James, or excuse me, the second chapter of James, that the person who is double-minded is unstable in all of his ways. If you want to look at the instability of people when it comes to following God's plan for their lives, more often than not, in their mind, they're trapped between two opinions. I've been there. It's no fun. Number three, step number three, in all your ways, acknowledge the Lord. I looked at these words in the Hebrew, and it's so potent. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. This means, this word, in all your ways, is like four words in English. It's one in the Hebrew. And it means the way or the road or the distance or the journey or the manner in which you travel. It's not just where you're going, but it's how you get there. Isn't that amazing? It doesn't just describe where you're going. It describes how you get there. In all of your ways, acknowledge the Lord. The word acknowledge means to know, to perceive, to be aware of, to get to know, to discover to foresee, to expect, to turn the mind towards something. In everything that you go and in every way that you get there, learn to acknowledge God. This is step number three, potentially the most important of all the three steps. In everything that you do, from brushing your teeth and putting your socks on to deciding who you should marry, in everything in between, in all that you do, acknowledge Him. This will lead to extreme safety in following God's plan. Why? I'm almost done. Stay with me just another couple moments. Acknowledging God ensures that His way always becomes my way. I want you to get this. I'm going to say it a couple times, and I really want you to get this. This is key to you walking in the plan of God for your life. Acknowledging God in everything ensures that His way becomes my way. Why? Because I can't acknowledge God in something that He will not have any part in. I can't acknowledge God in something He's not going to have any part in. You're getting ready to sin? Don't ask God to bless it. 
I can't acknowledge God in something he won't have a part of. So if I want to know his plan for my life and do it, and I get in the habit and routine of acknowledging him, I'm going to know right away whether or not I'm doing something he wants me to do. And I'll be able to tell by whether or not I can honestly and truthfully acknowledge him in the doing. In other words, let me put it to you real simple. Don't do this. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you right now for your favor as I get ready to rob this bank. Lord, I just want to come to you right now and I just say, Father, I trust you. I thank you, Father, for protection for my crew. Lord, for safety and security in the getaway car, I just believe you right now. Father, you said that we would bind on earth and you would release in heaven. So right now I bind the hands of the teller. I release the money in the safe. Lord Jesus, I pray a hedge of protection around us as we go and dismantle this bank. Not going to happen, is it? I mean, it's an extreme example, but it shows the stupidity of trying to acknowledge God in sin. You can't do it. If you want to keep your way synonymous with his way, learn to acknowledge him in everything that you do, and your heart will tell you what to do. Hallelujah. Acknowledging God, bringing him into every situation, immediately reveals whether or not that situation is of him. The very last point, step four in our foolproof, four-point action plan. The step that God himself takes responsibility for is that he gets to direct the path. The word direct in the Hebrew means to make right, to make smooth, to make straight, and to make accurate your path. Can I read this same verse to you in the Josh Thurman expanded version based on my study of the Hebrew language? Can I, can I read it to you? In all of your travels, get to know, perceive, and be aware of God. And he will ensure that you're on the straightest, smoothest, well-trodden road that gets you to the destination that he had planned for you all along. You want to follow God? You want to know his plan for your life? It's easy as one, two, three. Trust in him. Trust in Jesus. When he tells you to do something, be willing to do the thing he says to do because you're willing to trust in him. When Jesus turned the water into wine in the wedding in Cana, the disciples came, came to his mother, Mary, and they said, Mary, what should we do? And Jesus gave, uh, Mary gave him the, the best answer anybody could ever give him. Do whatever he says. Whatever he says to you, do it. Oh, but Mary, you don't understand. Jesus said we should take these water pots and fill them with water. That doesn't make sense. We don't need water. We need wine. Mary, I don't think your son is understanding the problem. We need wine. And he keeps telling, telling us to fill up these water pots that we used to wash our feet when we came in. I don't think he's, he's a little, you know. I don't know, Mary. What do you think? Whatever he says to you, do it. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't get caught and trapped between two opinions in your mind. In everything that you do, in all of your travels, get to know, perceive, and be aware of God. And it's His job to ensure you're on the straightest, smoothest, well-trodden road that gets you to the destination He had planned for you all along. Will you stand up to your feet this morning? I am so excited about where we're going in this series. So excited about it. Because we're going to get nitty gritty. We're going to dig down even deeper. Our four point foolproof action plan was just the first of several things that we want to pull out and point out in the scriptures. God's plan is good and it's easy for us to follow. You know, the GPS on your phone, it only works if you follow it. Right? Does no point throwing the phone on the ground, yelling at it, can't believe this stupid thing. Tried to get to Phoenix and here I am in Ottawa can't believe this stinking GPS and you never turned it on. You never put you never put the address in. It's still in the box. You haven't even unwrapped it. I can't get mad at the tool when I don't use the tool. Likewise, I can't get mad at God and say, "Oh God, why didn't you bring me to this place? Why why I thought you were I thought you had good plans for me. How come I can't How come I this this is not what I want? How come this is not working for me?" And meanwhile, the Lord's like, you got the GPS, you just got to use it. You just got to be willing to trust in the Lord. Got to be willing to be obedient. It's not an easy thing to think about, but it's reality. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.